Today, I want to t- we're in the series called Numa, as you uh, might remember. Uh, this is a, the, the word comes from the Greek language and it actually is the Greek word for spirit and uh, it means breath or wind and what we've been saying is that God has a way of breathing into our lives. <laughs> breathing, thank you, Julia, breathing. She did that with me, like I did it and then I saw her, she was like, Thank you. (laughs) Breathing into our lives, his breath, the breath, the life of God, the life of God into us, and he does it by his Holy Spirit. And so we've been talking about different aspects of the Spirit of God and how it interacts with our lives, but here's the fundamental premise we've been using is that humans were never intended to live without the Holy Spirit. Now it sounds like a good phrase, but it's actually super pragmatic. If you go all the way back to Genesis, the creation of Adam, the scripture says that God breathed into Adam and he became a life-giving soul, a life-giving person. The the breath of life that God gave to Adam was not CPR. He wasn't just giving him oxygen. He actually was giving him his spirit and he came alive. He came alive. Like that was him as a human. And in a perfect garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were made to interact with God by the Holy Spirit. Is everybody with me? Okay, okay. And so some of you are like, yes, you've said it every Sunday. Well, thank you for being here every Sunday. I, don't, I want you to get it, I want you to remember it. So, so, so the Holy Spirit is designed to live inside of us. That's how we live actual life that God has for us. And then of course, they refused the life that God has for them, they reached out to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, took life on their own terms, and suddenly they became dead inside. And all of us see that everywhere we look. People dead inside, just trying to do something to feel alive again. And it leads them into all kinds of terrible things. And so, and so the Holy Spirit is so pivotal to our lives. And we've been talking about that the last several weeks. You can go back and review any of the subjects we talked about at onechapel.com and, and just check out any of the messages. Today we're gonna talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And listen, I could do a whole series on the gifts of the Spirit. We could talk for 10 more weeks about you know, each individual gift and all that. So I don't have a lot of time for that uh, today. But I, I want to share with you some ideas about how the Holy Spirit has gifts for you. I, I have a friend, his name is Fred Markert, and he's been involved in missions and YWAM, if you're familiar with that, it's called Youth with a Mission, and he's, he's been involved in missionary ventures all over the world, and it's inc- incredible stories that he has uh, that he could tell, and I, I, hopefully I, I, we're gonna have him come and speak to us um, one weekend here next year, but we, I have heard him tell this story about his team, and they were trying to, get to their contact. You know, I don't know if you've ever been on a missions trip, but if you're on a missions trip, you've ever been on a missions trip, you know that there's great plans and then there's the mission trip. 
It's like, I don't know what it is. It's like all kinds of resistance, all kinds of weird stuff and, and things that don't go right. And then you have to pivot and you have to make things happen. And, and so this particular group of people were landing and they didn't have their contacts information to get hold of them. And, and they were supposed to have it and they didn't have it. And so they land here in this, in this city and they don't know the language. Like they're English speakers <laughs> and they're supposed to use this contact as a way to translate and all that stuff and they can't, they don't know what to do. They're like, they, they can't call anybody to get their contact information and, and, and it's so weird how this stuff just happens. It's like, oh, you think, you know, we can send a man to the moon, you can call somebody, right? But, 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 but you, you end up in a third world country where things don't work quite the way they do here and you just, it's so interesting. You go to a place where you don't have as much technology and suddenly you have to rely on something else. So they get in a taxi, they don't know what to do, and they start praying in the Holy Spirit. Several of them were um, tongue talkers. They spoke in tongues. And they spoke out loud in tongues in the taxi. And the guy who was driving the taxi <laughs> drove them to the corner where the contact was. And it, the story ends up saying, well, they got in the taxi and they told me where to go. It's an incredible thing to realize that sometimes we rely on what we have rather than relying on God's gifts through the Holy Spirit. When, um, when I was out eating a couple weeks ago, me and Zach Silver, Zach Silver is the campus pastor at uh, Lake Travis, and um, He's going to be here in a few weeks to speak to us for the first time. He's been at Lake Travis for a year now, and uh, he's going to be here. Those of you who know him, you love him. It's, it's going to be really fun. But he and I were eating lunch out of the Galleria Mall, and we were sitting there at this nice little uh, patio. It's called Chizos Grill. It's a really cute little place, and I, we were eating there, and we're outside. It's a beautiful day, and this kid walks up to us uh, to take our order. And I immediately kind of felt like this, um, oh, something's going on with this kid. Like, I just felt it. You know how you get a feeling, right? Hey, secret, it's usually the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I get this sense of, oh, something's going on with this kid. I wonder what's going on with this kid. We need to, we need to engage this kid in conversation. <laughs> uh, he takes our drink orders. He leaves. Zach looks at me and said, something's going on with this kid. <laughs> Is you, have, you ever, have you ever come to church and it's like, whatever you're going through, the pastor says exactly what you needed? How does that happen? Because your pastor's so awesome? No, that's not how it happens. I promise. <laughs> Ask my wife, I'm not that awesome. It happens because the Holy Spirit lives in me and the Holy Spirit lives in you. And he knows what you need. And so when he gives us those gifts, 
Like we, 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 we use them then to share. So, we, so Zach and I are sitting there at that table and we talked about it for a second. Zach starts to engage him in conversation. Hey, tell me, what's, what, what, what are you doing here? Why, wh- how long have you been working here? And you know, just kind of casual conversation and, and suddenly jumps into you. Uh, I don't know if you, you know anything about God, but man, I just want you to know he sees you and he knows you. And, and not only does he know you, he's with you. And the kid just began to share about his own life and his own history and how, you know, he'd had, his, his family's really broken. And it, it was an incredible moment between us and this young man who was serving us. I have had the Holy Spirit show me lots of things over my life. I have a, my wife and I, Amy, and our kids, I mean, one of the biggest moments was when we moved to Austin to start one chapel. And we lived in Colorado for a bunch of years, and we were really, I mean, 19 years, I was at one church, because I believe in staying in one place for a long time. I plan on dying in Austin, not soon, but I'm planning on dying here. Um, I believe that the Holy Spirit directed us here, but man, it was hard (laughs) to get settled, to leave a place where I had everything I could ever hope for and in ministry and life. We'd bought our dream house. It was a beautiful uh, three-story, 4,700 square feet. What? Who needs that? That's way too much. I did have five kids, however, and somebody was always living with us, so we always had eight in the house. But, but, but there's, there, it was really hard to, to, to like be sure that we were supposed to move. You ever had a decision you were trying to make, and you're just like, I think I'm supposed to do this, I don't know. It seems like I should, but I'm scared to do it. That's the Holy Spirit. And, um, and so I remember, I remember um, having this moment where we were going to put the sign in the yard because once the house sells, that's it, right? That's the, that's the last hurdle. It's like, okay, we're selling it. Jesus, you really, like, he'd given us so many other things. And, and so, but, but here we are. It's, we've, we're, we're going. Put the sign in the yard. God, if you sell the house, we're really going. You know, that kind of, that kind of attitude. <laughs> the day we put the sign in the yard, a lady calls us who hadn't seen the inside of our house in two years and said, you know, the Lord just told me, I think I'm supposed to buy your house. She hadn't even seen the sign yet. She didn't even know if it was for sale yet. I think I'm supposed to buy your house. I was like, okay, I could see God. (laughs) This, these are the kinds of things. This is the kind of thing that should happen in our lives in a pretty routine way. But I fear that for so many of us, including me, it's so easy to get distracted. So easy to rely on other things for stimulation or for insight or for wisdom. I want to share with you a few ideas this morning, and I'm just gonna go through it pretty quickly. But the first idea is God is a good 
Father. He is good and his gifts are really good. Luke eleven nineteen through 13 says, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds and to one who knocks the door will be opened. Do you ever feel like you can't get a door open? You know what Jesus says? Keep asking. Keep knocking. We give up way too quickly. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? (laughs) Well, that would be dumb. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. My wife loves hard-boiled eggs. They smell. But how silly would it be if your kid asked for a stinky, smelly, hard-boiled egg and you gave him a scorpion instead? Verse 13, if you then, though, though you were evil, I always think this is a nice way for Jesus to say, like a backhanded, if you then are really evil people, know how to give good gifts to your children. And this is really what Jesus is saying here. If you're so stupid, if you're such a loser, if you're so evil, if you're so sinful, if you're so distracted and so silly and so lost and so like broken and you want to give good things to your kids, this verse says how much more. Say those words with me. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying your heavenly Father is the one who wants you to have the good gift of the Holy Spirit. I know some of you are freaked out by the Holy Spirit. I get that. Next week, we're gonna talk about the most freak out factor of the Holy Spirit, we're gonna talk about the baptism with the Holy Spirit. What that means, what that looks like. We're gonna talk about that next Sunday morning. And then on Sunday night, at the worship night, we're gonna baptize people in water and we're gonna lead people in the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And I'm I'm gonna talk about like crazy stuff. Like speaking in a language you don't know. Okay? I'm going to talk about that on Sunday night. So you, that is a not miss, can't miss worship night. It's going, to be, it's going to be great. I'm going to teach on it. I'm going to talk about it. But I think it's important for you to understand that God's giving us gifts, and the Holy Spirit is the way he gives us these gifts. And a gift is not just a reward for good behavior. God's not just giving you a reward for good behavior. He gives you this gift as soon as you come to him. Just one illustration, right? Jesus was baptized with water by John. Is everybody with me? He was baptized with water, and what happened at his baptism? The the scripture says that a voice (laughs) said that this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And the scripture says that the spirit came on him like a dove. It wasn't a dove. He did not have a dove rest on his shoulder. But something came down and came on him. And that ushered him into ministry. He had never, there's no recorded ministry of Jesus. Notice, notice that his father said, this is my loved 
my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Had he done anything yet? God gives you his spirit when you come to him. That's what we've been reading about in John 3 over many, many, many weeks. John 3, how God put his spirit in a person and that's when you're born again. And so God gives you his spirit. He's, his, it's the best gift he could ever give you and through the Holy Spirit, all these other gifts start to appear. Number two. Everybody say number two. The gifts of the spirit are for us and flow through us. Flow through us to others. First Corinthians, I'm just gonna read a few, uh, a passage here in First Corinthians 12. And I want you to follow along with me if you want to in the scripture, in your, in your Bible, or you can follow along with the message notes in the, the Bible app. But verse one says, this is a letter, I'll just give you context, this is a letter from the Apostle Paul and he's writing to the Corinthian church and Corinth is a place that's got a lot of bad stuff happening and the culture is a mess and they're all obsessed with sex and, and, and experiences and all these things, much like today in our, in our country. And, and so Paul's coaching them on how to navigate all this stuff that's going on in their world, and, he's, and he gets down about 12 chapters in, and in the middle of this, this amazing letter, he says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. I love this. Paul is creating a contrast between the God of the universe and mute. Why do you serve stuff that can't talk to you? Why do you serve a deity or an entity that can't tell you what to do? That can't give you any instruction? That can't help you figure it out? Why do you serve a deity that makes you think you're God? (laughs) And whatever thought you have is the one that should be fulfilled. That's a recipe for disaster. You can see it everywhere you look. So he says in verse three, therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Apostle Paul is responding to some questions from this church and he's, he's answering their questions and experiences of pagan religion. He talks about uh, these mute idols, and he's most likely contrasting an extraordinary supernatural experience that they've had, right? And And he's contrasting it with some of the pagan religion practices, and he's distinguishing how the Holy Spirit works versus these pagan experiences. He's contrasting them. He talks about people being led astray versus the Spirit of God speaking to them. This is why I think it's so funny how people think that Christians are weird when they talk about the Holy Spirit. Have you seen some of the crazy stuff that goes on in Austin? I mean, there's all this stuff out there. People, aren't, people are convinced that the spiritual world is real. They just don't recognize the Holy Spirit. 
And so it's funny to me, it's like, oh, you go to some yoga class and they tell you to do a mantra and you just go, you say, say words that come, oh, that's not weird, but then speaking in a language that's from God is weird. Like it's, these are, the world's just full of counterfeits. That's what this, that's what it is. The world's just full of, of ways to get experiences to try to make you feel alive. And you know what's funny about it? God created this world in such an amazing way that it works for a moment. And then it quickly fades. The only thing that's lasting is the work of God's spirit. And so he's talking about this. First, if we go down a couple more verses, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Paul warns against identifying the spirit with only one manifestation in the church. This is how the spirit works, this one way. If it's any different than this, it's not. No, he says there's a bunch of different manifestations of God's spirit. God's spirit, here's here's the way he's saying, here's the way to think about it. God is saying that his spirit works through people as differently as the people that he created. Humans are different. We all have these different experiences and different personalities and different temperaments and when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of an individual, suddenly all those things in their life that that make them them become redeemed and God begins to give gifts through that person to help others. It not only helps you, but it helps others. And so it's really important in this series about the Trinity, the person of the Trinity, this third person, that we, that we identify what the Holy Spirit is doing here. We understand something we talked about last week, and it is this idea, we're not doing something for God. <laughs> Whatever we do, we're not doing something for God, we're doing something from God. Like he's working through us. Which is why so many times it goes so wrong with our westernized thinking, like, oh, I need to learn this, and I need to know this, and I need to study this. Look, you, please, study. Improve yourself. But if you start trusting yourself to do God's work, that will go wrong really fast. So the Holy Spirit actually is this, he wants to work through you. He's for you, and he wants to flow through you. They empower, the, the gifts of the Spirit empower each believer to function in the body of Christ. And the idea of service is terminology for ministry activities. And um, so ver, let's go down to verse 7. Uh, now, now to each one of the manifestations of the Spirit is given for the common good. Wait, for what? Common good. Not just the individual good. To one there is given the Spirit a, a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he 
determines. Hey, One Chapel, every Christian, no matter what demographic, social status, gender, or background, they have gifts from the Holy Spirit. This is particularly important because some Corinthian believers thought that their gift, they were all into tongues at that particular moment. They were all into the speaking in tongues and how awesome that was. They were convinced that if you spoke in tongues, you were more spiritual than other people. And part of the whole point of this chapter is Paul saying, no, no one, no one gift is greater than the other. He does say that the gift of What he does say is that the gift of prophecy, in other words, God speaking to someone through an individual, he'd rather have that than everybody speaking in tongues all the time. So he does does clarify like an elevated idea. And did you hear, did you hear, uh, where's the girl that came up here and gave her hope, hope. So did you hear what she said? She said, somebody came up and prayed for me and it was like God speaking straight to me. This is, this is a natural occurrence. This is something you have God inside you and you can be aware of what's happening in other people because his spirit is in you and you can then speak his words to them. And, and Paul does say that that's the, like one of the most important things we can do. But all the gifts are good, and all of them can be used together. Number three, everybody with me? Third point? I had so many great points in this message. All you're gonna get is three. The Holy Spirit gifts are all about working together. Verse 12 says, just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so to form one body. Whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. It doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, how you discovered Jesus, the Holy Spirit has been poured into you and poured into us together like a body that's drinking the life-giving water that God provides. And so Paul kind of explores this idea of the body and then he, then he, then he kind of gets to this, uh, I'll just read the next uh, few verses in verse 27. If you, if you jump down a, f- a few verses, it says, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it and God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and different kinds of tongues. Are, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all m- work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all in- interpret. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. What are the greater gifts? He says this right before he spends an entire chapter. It's called the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. He goes through this whole thing, and he's saying, what he's saying is, The greater gifts are the ones that you share with each other for the 
building up and the encouragement of the body of Christ. That's what he's saying to us. Not everyone has every gift, but we may, everybody say may, you can function in any gift at any time if it is needed. You know why? Because it's not my gift. Oh, I only have this gift and I have that. No, the Holy Spirit has all the gifts. And you have the Holy Spirit. And so you can call on him at any time to do whatever it is you need to do. That he can flow through you in any gift. Now some of you are naturally predisposed to some gifts. Like some of you are like talkers, so you really want to talk a lot and encourage people and preach. Some of you are like acts of service people. Do not put me on a stage, but you will take care of people like nobody's business. I love that. Some of you are like wired like super administratively. That's awesome. We need you at one chapel so badly. But listen, but listen, but listen. If you're enthused and empowered by the Holy Spirit, that becomes a gift that he starts to use through you. Some people call these motivational gifts. Like they're, they're motivations that you already have inside of you. And Paul lists a whole bunch of them. Not everybody has every gift, but we may function in any gift at any time if it is needed. If you need the gift of healing, you can function in it by the Spirit. If you need a word of knowledge about somebody because something bad is about to happen to them, you want to warn them, you, God can flow through you to speak to somebody. If you need to give someone a word of encouragement and prophecy, God can speak through you. Now, the reason I'm hitting this so hard it's because so many of you have moments where you wonder this question. Is that the Holy Spirit? Is, it, is that him? <laughs> no, no. And you just let the moment go by. That's a problem. Because it begins to dampen and weaken the work of the Spirit in you. Do you want to know the way the work of the Spirit begins to take charge of you? the way it begins to be poured out even in a greater way is when you say, is that the Holy Spirit? Is that, oh, I think it is. I don't know if it is, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Wait, I'm gonna do it anyway? Well, Pastor Ross, wouldn't that be bad? What if I look stupid? You don't seem to mind it at other times. we all look stupid from time to time the only question is will you be willing to look stupid for Jesus isn't that true isn't that true like like let's get over ourselves because the world that we're walking into as you get up out of this service needs Jesus like never before they're in trouble I talk to student after student at summer camp, and you think they're all fine, they're all having some wild experience. No, they are in the throes of dealing with the devil's work in their life through their own heart or through some other abusive dynamic in this broken world. They're dealing with stuff that nobody should have to deal with. And if they're not armed with the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't think they'll make it. 
It's true for you too. True for you and me. We need the work of God's spirit in order to do what's necessary to share Jesus with people in great need. People who are hurting, people who are suffering, people who are struggling. And those gifts, those gifts are available to you. You can share a word of wisdom with a friend who is facing a really difficult decision. You can allow the knowledge of God to come through you, a supernatural understanding to flow through you to try to help fix a problem that another person's working through. You can walk into a place and discern the spirits that are going on, the spiritual activity of the environment to help someone know what is from God and what's not. You can encourage a person with your faith, that faith that rises up in you, help bringing hope to somebody who's in trouble. You can pray for healing that is manifested as you see the deepest, darkest needs around you. Most of you have probably prayed for somebody to be healed and sometimes it doesn't happen, right? I don't know why that is. To pretend that if you're a, <laughs> some theologian that thinks you know exactly why or why that doesn't happen, I think you're full of hot air. I think we'll know when we get to the other side, when, we, when, we, when the, everything's peeled back and we see the new heaven and the new earth and Jesus shares with us what the, why this brokenness was so prevalent. I know it has multiple facets to it. I know it has something to do with my faith and their faith and something to do with his plan and his purpose and I I can't always figure it out. But you know what I can't do? Is not pray for somebody who's hurting. You and I have to start acting like we have God living inside of us. The king of the universe, the creator of all things, is living inside of you. I know it takes courage, but you have the Holy Spirit to give you courage. Engaging in miraculous powers, something some of you just like, I can't even imagine what that means. (laughs) I don't know when it's going to happen or when it's not, but I... I guess I always have to be ready for it, don't I? Okay, I can do that. I can be ready for it. Speaking in tongues and even interpretation of tongues to communicate exactly what happened in the book of Acts in chapter two. The scripture says they were speaking the wonders of God to people in a language they didn't even know. That's what it's for. I can give a word of prophecy that shares the truth of God and helps somebody hear him. Now, one thing that I just want to say to you. Gifts flow through people. Gifts are perfect. <laughs> people are not. God doesn't expect you to be perfect. Perfect. But his gifts are perfect. And when they throw through an imperfect vessel, sometimes it gets mangled. (laughs) 
But more often than not, something happens beyond your ability. And suddenly you're amazed at this God of the universe that has decided that he values you so much that he's willing to flow through you and to put himself in you to serve somebody else. That's the power of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And Paul says we should want them, we should hunger for them, we should pray for them. And that's why in your message notes, I've given you a spiritual gifts test. Spiritualgiftstest.com, what a great name. And it's not the, you know, it's, it's not the, maybe the best tool out there, but it's a pretty good one, and you can start with it. Everybody this afternoon, spiritualgiftstest.com, spiritualgiftstest.com. It's in your message notes if you want to recover it later. But I want you to go home and I want you to start, like everybody take the test. Everybody start thinking and talking about what it is that the Holy Spirit's doing through you. Because this should be the norm. Not the surprise. This should be the norm. All of us pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I just want to pray over you right now. And all over this room. Each heart wrestling with what I've said. Each heart working through another level of yielding to God. And so, Lord, I pray for every person in this room, from the person who really knows very little about you, but is here this morning and senses your presence and, and you're speaking to them and you're calling them to your heart and they feel that and they don't even know exactly what it is. From that person all the way to the most mature believer whose heart is pricked, poked, <laughs> awakened in a new way tonight. Lord, I pray that we would be your body, we would be your people, we would be your representatives. Lord, help us never to take these things for granted. Help us never to misuse them in any way, in in any purposeful manner. And Lord, we pray that you would help us in our weaknesses, in our, our moments when we're not sure, when we don't know how to have faith, that you'd help us to overcome and help us to allow you to flow through us. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you that you cover all these things. And your plan has always been to live in us and to walk with us and to move through us. So we receive you today and we say yes, yes, yes. Have your way. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.